Hello team and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. Today I bring you some incredible news. I have been working on a secret project for the past three or four months now and I now can tell you that the brand new follow along workout channel is live and here. On this YouTube channel, you're gonna find workouts for fat loss, muscle building, improving your cardio health, flexibility, everything is gonna be on there. You're gonna find body weight workouts, dumbbell workouts, kettlebell and resistance bands workouts, all that you can follow along with. And the best part is that it's completely free. They're also around 10 to 20 minutes long, meaning if you're short of time, you can quickly complete an effective workout or you can combine like two or three of them together and complete like a full 45 to 60 minute workout. New workouts will go live on the channel every Tuesday and Thursday and they're gonna be accompanied by an amazing backdrop, which I'm sure you're all gonna enjoy. So if you wanna find the channel, just search Elliot Hassoon into YouTube and you'll find it very easily. And please subscribe. It makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow. And feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with and let's work out together. Welcome to the Simply Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Hassoun. In this podcast, I'll be looking at three key questions related to fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I will break these down into information that is easy to understand and actionable so that you can apply it to your life today. This podcast will give you all you need to improve your health and well-being once and for all. So sit back, listen, and most importantly, take action. Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 49 of the Simply Fit Podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here as always and I'm looking forward to diving into today's episode. So today I'm going to be talking about some of the not so optimal habits you probably picked up during the lockdown that A, you might have not even realized and B, you potentially are still doing. This is going to be especially helpful for you guys listening who are potentially doing a 14 day or seven day quarantine or if you're still in lockdown. The next topic is going to be why you need to do a digital detox. You really need one of these in your life, people. And I'm going to go through what my experience was. And finally, the topic that we're going to start today is why you should be rethinking your snacking habits. So the first question is this, Elliot, do you have any inspiration for some good snacking options I should have? I always want to snack after you know my meals or you know in the evening when I get a bit of time to myself. So typically, if someone asks me this question, I start by going through some high protein snacks, maybe some low calorie snacks, you know, berries, yogurt, dark chocolate, maybe. And as much as that would be fairly helpful, the real questions we need to ask ourselves are: A, why are we snacking? B, if we really need to be snacking, and C is the snacking helping us or hindering us on our health and fitness journey? And in fact, the one question I always try to ask myself in any scenario is, what's the goal? And we'd assume that the goal for snacking is to alleviate hunger, right? And if that's the case, we need to ask ourselves if we're actually hungry. And if there's a more simple way that doesn't require you to consume more calories to satiate or alleviate that hunger. So I want to begin by talking in the context of someone in a fat loss phase, and then we can discuss the difference between this and if you're in a maintenance or a muscle building phase later on. So let's start with why you're snacking in the first place. And I guarantee that if you're snacking, it comes down to one or more of these reasons. First, boredom. Second, habit. 
Third is sleep or stress-related reasons. And fourth is poor or non-optimal nutritional choices. So have a think about if any of those ring a bell with you. And we're going to start with boredom. Have you ever gone through almost an entire day? You're going from task to task, you're engaged, you're busy, you don't even have a minute to think about anything else. And all of a sudden you're at 3 p.m. and you've barely eaten. I'm sure we've all been there before. And yet the day before, we weren't nearly as busy. Perhaps we were sitting at work doing a boring and mindless task. And yet we were quote unquote hungry or we were craving something. And there was no difference in our activity levels. We had the same breakfast. So why is it that on one day, we're having these feelings of intense hunger and cravings. And on the other, we completely forget about food until later in the day. So many of us, if we're truly honest with ourselves, we are using food to cure boredom. It is nothing to do with actual hunger. Food for a lot of us can actually be quite self-soothing. It can provide that novelty, excitement, and it can be an easy way to break up the monotony of the day. And it isn't uncommon at all either, especially if you're on a job that isn't incredibly engaging, or if you don't absolutely love your job, or even if you haven't got that much going on in your personal life. And this one actually ties into habit as well. So I've discussed the process of habit formation and breaking habits that no longer serve us quite a few times in the past in many other podcast episodes. And what we know is that the more we do something, the more it becomes ingrained, the more we get the psychological cues, and the more it becomes something we do on autopilot. And these feedback loops can be incredibly helpful when we're doing something that serves us, right? It's brilliant that we don't have to think about brushing our teeth in the evening, or we have to get up in the morning and remember to drink water. We kind of just get into the habit of doing so. And this can be really, really helpful, as I mentioned. However, it's highly likely that you're living out many other habits that you're not even realizing that are done unconsciously on autopilot and they are not serving you. So let's take the example of the middle of the afternoon snack. Do you think you're really hungry at that time? Or do you think your body has learned to expect that afternoon tea and coffee with a snack because you've been doing it for the past 20, 30 years or so? Do you think your body really needs more food after a super filling evening meal? Or is it used to getting something sweet after dinner every evening? And I'm not saying that this necessarily needs to stop. I'm actually part of the people who like to have something sweet after my meals. But the most important thing for me is that awareness. And as I know this, I have dark chocolate alongside my meals. I have oats with my calorie-free syrup most evenings. I leverage my tendencies to serve me, but to leverage your tendencies, we need to know that they're happening in the first place. So let's get back to that list. And the next was sleep or stress-related issues. So a study published in the European Journal of Clinical Nutrition found that partial sleep deprivation led to the participants of the study consuming an average of 385 extra calories per day. And I'm going to go ahead and assume that these sleep-deprived individuals weren't reaching for an extra serving of tofu or broccoli either. I also don't even need to go into detail and discuss the impact that stress will have on many of us. I find that most of us are either on one side of the spectrum here. Either we eat everything in sight when we're stressed, or we eat absolutely nothing or very, very little. And some people, a small minority, may be unaffected. However, based on the people I've worked with over the years, I found that this is definitely the minority. And I found that those who don't eat that much when they are stressed, they don't tend to make the best nutritional choices after when they do actually come around to eating. And the final on my list was the poor or non-optimal nutrition choices. And I want to go through the difference between these as well. So to me, poor nutritional choices looks 
like having a pastry and a latte for breakfast. It's having a shop-bought sandwich and a packet of crisps with a sugary drink for lunch. It's ordering a takeaway most nights for dinner. The lack of protein, nutrients, food volume is all going to lead you to wanting snacks. It's once again unlikely you're going to be reaching for strawberries or Greek yogurt after eating a diet like that. On the other hand, non-optimal will be having granola for breakfast because you believe it's healthy. Another example of non-optimal will be eating your first meal as soon as you wake up because it's something you've always done. And another might be having a quote-unquote healthy sandwich for lunch without any additional food volume. This would be someone who has relatively good intentions but has not that much awareness of what the optimal macro ratios are for them to stay satiated, the concept of food volume or meal timings or anything along those lines. The lack of understanding of these will lead to hunger and or cravings and ultimately more snacking. So even if they do reach for what would be considered to be a healthier snack, they're probably going to still be over consuming calories and not getting the results they're after. So we have to really ask ourselves, should we be asking the question, what are some good snack options or should we be looking at which one of these we identify with and trying to address the root cause? I would like to think that question answers itself. So what I want to do now is give you some practical, quick fire, easy ways to reduce your need for snacking during a day that will help you feel more satiated and will help you stay within your desired calorie intake. So number one, get enough quality sleep. You heard the study earlier. On average, almost 400 more calories are consumed regardless of what you're eating. So if you sleep better, you put yourself in a better place. Number two, manage your stress effectively. Meditation, journaling, taking you time, booking time away, having those difficult conversations that need to be had. Whatever it is you need to do to keep your stress levels a little bit lower, get started on it. And I do appreciate that it's easier said than done, but you'll thank yourself later. Number three, keep yourself hydrated. We haven't actually touched on this yet, but your hunger and cravings could be stemming from dehydration. A good rule of thumb here is to have two to three liters if you're a female, three to four liters if you're a male. And of course, this will vary depending on temperature, the amount you exercise, etc. But if you follow this rule of thumb, you should be in a good place and you can keep an eye on the color of your urine. And yes, that's a little bit gross, but if it's regularly clear, pale, you're probably in a good place and you are sufficiently hydrated. Number four is to eat enough protein. Protein has a ton of benefits, but in this case, it's one of the most satiating macronutrients there is. Do your best to have a form of protein at every single meal. Speaking of meals, number five is to utilize food volume. If we picture a 300 calorie protein bar right now, small 60 grams, and then we picture next to it a plate of salad, protein sauce, a little bit of sweet potato, and maybe even half an avocado, we know which is going to fill us up more. Food volume is so important. And sometimes it's just a case of adding more to your plate without adding those calories. And that's going to keep you nice and satiated. Number six is to be aware of your triggers in the times of the days when you are snacking. It is hard to know what you can't see. So start keeping a food journal, write down everything you eat, the timing, what happened on the day. And once you do it for a week or two, you'll start to note the trends. It'll be really helpful to identify these before they happen. Number seven, if you know that you self-soothe using food or you use it to cure boredom and try replace that with something non-edible, but also just as nourishing. So maybe that afternoon pick-me-up becomes a 20-minute nap or a walk in the park. Maybe that evening snack or glass of wine that you've been having becomes a phone call to a friend or a time where you just do some self-work. Number eight, focus on having more filling meals. If you've gotten accustomed with snacking, try adding those calories you would have from your snacks into your meals to have more hearty and calorific meals. This adds on to the food volume aspect. Number nine, 
alter your meal timings. This one is a game changer for most people. Try pushing your first meal a little bit later in the day and try bringing your last meal a little earlier in the day. There's a profound difference between spreading your calories across 15 hours versus eight hours. Number 10, give yourself some grace as you transition to less snacking. Think in terms of keeping score and not keeping a streak. If you go back to your old habits after five days of not snacking, you don't start at zero. The score is now 5-1. You just need to get back into increasing your lead once again. So hopefully that helps and hopefully that won't lead you to needing to find these healthy snacks, but you'll ultimately deal with the root cause. So now just a quick note on those who are in a maintenance or a gaining phase. There has been times where I've been on upwards of 3,000 calories. And if I was having three meals a day where I was consuming 1,000 to 1,250 calories, I would probably not be able to move or function after those meals. So snacking or mini meals between my main meals were absolutely essential. So if your snacking makes sense due to the higher calories that you're on, try to plan them in advance. Base them on some form of protein if you have the macros available and ensure your main meals still remain a solid size. So hopefully that has you rethinking your snacking and on to the next question, which is Elliot, how was your digital detox? So if you keep an eye on my IG stories, you will have seen that recently I went on my very first digital detox. And I have to tell you, the experience was really, really eye-opening. The intention was that it was going to be for 24 hours. It lasted a little bit longer. And although I don't believe that my device usage is necessarily unhealthy, I also don't believe my social media use is unhealthy. And I'm actually a very, very big fan of both social media and the way that technology exists today. Yes, it has its downsides, but I do believe it also has tremendous upsides. And with that being said, I do recognize that I probably spend a little bit more time on my devices than I would like to. And if we add on top of that, that, you know, all of my work is done online. I travel a lot. So staying connected to friends and family requires me to be on my devices more. I work remotely. So sometimes actually staying connected to human beings, if I'm not going out so much because I'm working all the time, you know, those devices become essential. So if you combine all of these things along with the fact that our devices are kind of built to be addicted in a way, it does become obvious that some dedicated time away from them is always going to be helpful. And what I realized is that ever since I've had a phone, like full stop, ever since I had my first Nokia 3310 or whatever it was, I've never intentionally done this, especially from the phone. And this was what this experiment was all about because of with my MacBook, I'm not really fussed about that. I can comfortably put that away for two to three days, but with the phone, never done that before. And that's what I wanted to really focus on during this digital detox. And before I begin, I have I have to be honest here. I did take a phone call with my sister. So hopefully that's acceptable for some of you guys listening. And I listened to an audiobook as well. So you might call that cheating, but apart from turning on the audiobook and answering that call, I barely touched it. And obviously this comes back to what I mentioned about trying to stay connected with people whilst I'm traveling. So I started this off on Wednesday evening. I announced it on IG stories. I turned off my Wi-Fi, my mobile data, and then I left it in the kitchen as I went to bed. I did carry it around when I was out with the audiobook and on the call, etc. But for the most part, I actually just stayed on the counter or in another room, which is another rarity because it's always sitting in my pocket usually. And I didn't open it that next evening when it was 24 hours. I knew that if I got to like 8, 9 p.m., which is when I turned off the previous night, I probably wouldn't be tempted to open it until the morning. So I got back online that next morning. So it was roughly around 36 hours, I want to say, total.
total. So what I want to do is I want to break this into two parts. I want to give you three reasons why I would absolutely do it again and why I'd highly encourage anyone to do it. And I'm also going to give you a couple of reasons why it was a bit of a pain, just so you know what to expect if you do. And the first thing that was like really compelling to me is how I began to realize like a lot of my phone usage was so on autopilot. And funnily enough, we spoke about the snacking being on autopilot. And that's probably the best way to describe it, right? You know, when you go on a diet or you fast for the first time or the first time in a long time, and what you notice is that you would usually go to get a snack from a fridge or you'd usually go to have a bite from someone's food. And all of a sudden you realize, oh, actually, I can't do that anymore. And then it becomes conscious to you how often you actually do that. And that was my exact same experience with my phone. You know, anytime there was a short gap between tasks or maybe when I got a little bit bored with what I was doing, you know, maybe not bored. I don't really get bored. But if I was doing something for a long time and it was getting a little bit monotonous, it's the better way to do it. Or if I was visiting the bathroom. And yes, we all do it. So don't get on me for that. Or when I was waiting in a queue, if I was able to pick it up, like during those moments, I would have done. And it's only until you take away the ability to do that, do you realize how often you do it. And for me, it was way more frequently. I find myself going to my pocket, going to grab it. And then also I, I found myself at times when it was in within such a distance is picking up and be like, oh, wait a minute, I can't do that and put it back down again. And if you asked me how many times I did it before this digital detox, I would have said, all right, maybe five to 10 times a day, maybe, you know, outside of notifications, obviously. Um, I do have WhatsApp notifications on currently. I go through phases where I turn it on and off, but otherwise I have most of my notifications off. But the reality of it was like without those notifications, it was more like 20 or more. So we got to bear in mind, like we probably don't realize the rate that we actually use our devices. And now since I've been back on mine, I catch myself doing this more and I can now intentionally stop myself, which I find really, really valuable. I have a lot more awareness when I go to grab my phone automatically and now I've stopped doing it so much and especially when it's unnecessary too if I've not got a notification if I'm in the middle of something else or even if I do have a gap between tasks or I'm in a queue I can actually just sit and just enjoy the moment and allow myself to be my thoughts versus picking up and that's been really helpful and the second positive is that it's increased my productivity and the speed in which I transition between tasks right there's probably like a number of small things on your to-do list I definitely find that's with me and like you know literally they would take about five to 10 minutes a day or even per week to accomplish. But for some reason, they just don't get done or they take way longer across the span of days to complete. You know, the dry laundry that needs to be folded, for example, the bathroom drawer that needs to be organized, that quick shave. If you're like me and you shave your face in between uh, beard cuts, then, you know, that thing that just needs to be done. And I'm someone who always likes to be doing something. I really like to stay busy. So if I needed to wait or I had five to 10 minutes spare, I would pick up my phone and you know I would maybe post I would maybe scroll a little bit but because I wasn't able to I went and did that task that I wouldn't usually have time for and getting these small tasks done was so much more rewarding than scrolling for five or ten minutes and you know with these small tasks you often look at me like oh I've got a big list of things to do I'll spend you know Saturday afternoon doing these or Sunday afternoon doing this but because I did those one or two tiny tasks in the day with the time I want back when I would usually be scrolling or on some type of email or social media, I have that afternoon back. Those tasks were completed. I felt good about it. And plus I won back a significant amount of time where I can actually dedicate to doing something more meaningful for me. And this was a really, really big win for me. And I also liked that it wasn't 
okay, I'm going to have my breakfast now. And then five to 10 minutes after my breakfast, I'm going to be on my phone and then I'm going to get dressed. And then five to 10 minutes after I get dressed, I'll leave the house because of in between I'm, I'm messaging people. I'm looking on Instagram. I'm getting caught up in my emails. It was literally finish breakfast, get dressed out the door. And I found that going from task to task was so much quicker without any of those distractions in between. And these are only small periods of time, but they really do amount to something pretty significant. And on to the third and final reason why I would 100% do this again is I had so much more of a clear mind. Like I'm someone who loves to consume information. If I'm cooking, if I'm taking a walk, if I'm making a coffee or doing a task that doesn't really require me to think so much, I'm listening to an audiobook or a podcast. And although it's fantastic for gaining information, I appreciate that my mind and everyone's mind does need some downtime from every so often. A chance to process and consolidate all that information that you're consuming and not to be in analyzing mode, but you know, to be in creation mode and just to be in kind of mindless mode. And when your quality of mind is in a good space, like having time with your thoughts is immensely valuable. And I honestly found myself with time to express gratitude, to think through things more thoroughly, and just to be more present. If I was able to use my devices, I would have been able to easily distract myself and focus on something else and not give myself that face, that space, I should say, to be with myself and my thoughts. I valued that time and the opportunity that I had to spend with myself. And that is certainly another reason why I would 100% do the detox again. Overall, it made me more intentional about my usage. It gave me more time. It's allowed me to be more productive, more present. And if you ask me prior to this, do you want more time? Do you want to be more productive and present? I would have bitten your hand off at the opportunity. So I think it's pretty conclusive to say that I would definitely be doing this again. However, just like anything, there were some downsides, of course. And I think these are worth mentioning just so you go in and you're aware of this first things first. So we use our phones way more than just calling and texting and social media. I rarely leave the house with a wallet because I have Apple Pay on my phone and using a debit card even seems old fashioned these days. I rely on Google Maps to get me anywhere that's not familiar to me. I'm a curious person as well. So if I want to know something, I'm going to immediately pull out Google to find out that thing. I use my phone for my alarm in the morning. I use it for meditation apps, to track my workouts, to listen to music, to take notes. The convenience of our phones is almost pretty ridiculous. And I love the convenience. Like I actually just love convenience full stop. So I love it when these things make my life easier and therefore not having that option did make things a little bit more challenging. The second is the backlog you have to deal with upon your return. Within these 36 hours or so, I had like 50 emails, I had WhatsApps, I had IG DMs. And just because you you taken a digital detox doesn't mean the rest of the world has. So that was kind of a bit of a challenge to come back into. I always had to brace myself knowing that I would have a lot to come to. And then finally, if you run an online business like I do, your timing does need to be considered. Like I need to make sure that my podcast is uploaded, for example. I need to make sure my clients are seen too. So the timing for me has to be very intentional to ensure my work, which is a massive priority for me, is not compromised. So I'd say that the pros definitely outweigh the cons. And if you never try tried it before, I do believe it will be something that you'll thoroughly enjoy trying. And I think you'll take a lot away from, and I'm going to aim to implement this maybe once a month or so to ensure that I remain intentional with my usage. And I'm going to keep you posted on my journey with this. You'll see it if you are on Instagram and you follow me there, I'll be announcing it anytime I go offline and I'll keep you posted on whether, you know, these benefits increase, whether they remain the same. I have a feeling that the more I do this, just like kind of the more you fast, the more benefits you'll get from it. So I'm 
actually looking forward to it. At the same time, I also don't think that I'm going to need much more than 24 hours. I think that these will serve me well as a bit of a reset, but if you feel the need to do two, three days or even weeks at a time, then feel free to do so. Try it. Let me know what your experience is and hopefully we will be a lot more intentional about our device usage moving forward. So on to the final question and topic of the day, which actually isn't too much of a question, but more of an observation that I've noticed in many people. And I also saw an article about this on women's health too. So a lot of us are able to recognize the undesirable habits we picked up over the lockdown when it comes to our nutrition specifically. We started snacking more. We started ordering takeaways more. We started drinking more. We didn't prioritize having set meal times. We ate in front of our laptops whilst we were working. And aside from the obvious habit of not doing enough exercise, a lot of us don't quite realize the habits we picked up from an exercise perspective that aren't serving us and are holding us back with the progress that we could be making when it comes to our health and fitness goals. So I want to go through these five today that I've noticed personally and what we can do to break out of these. So the first one here is that you are taking it too easy with your training. At times I wasn't motivated. I got distracted. I would sometimes just feel a bit slow and lethargic. I got them completed. Absolutely. But they certainly weren't my best. And I put out a lot of content across that period on how to set the tone for your workouts to get the most out of them. But I'll be real here. At times it got very, very tough. And if you're used to the gym environment, you'll know that in a good gym, especially the energy, the feel of the place lends to pumping you up and getting the absolute most out of you. The environment is synonymous with smashing your training and making good progress. And all of a sudden you were training in a small corner in your kitchen or bedroom with some pink dumbbells. I'm just kidding. But unless you had a pretty extensive setup, which I certainly didn't, it was quite a transition. Like I would blast music. I would try training at different times a day. And for a good portion, I was training with a good intensity, but eventually I ran out of steam and it was just training to keep myself going and keep myself moving. And I'll tell you what, I am still seeing that a lot of people, even though we're out of lockdown, are doing that even if they're back in the gym. Training with intensity requires intention. The gym environment helps, but you need to make sure that you're asking the very most of yourself throughout every single session. So ask yourself now, look back to how you were training in early 2020 or late 2019 or a time in the past where you were at the very best, the very peak of your training, are you training as hard as you were then? If the answer is no, make today the day you turn that around. Create a new playlist, set some new goals, track your lifts, make sure you're getting plenty of good sleep, good food, you're hydrated and you're ready to go. And then after that first session finishes, rate your intensity, give yourself a score from one to 10 and hold yourself accountable. Perhaps the first session is a six or seven out of 10 because you're a little bit tired. Go home, get some better rest, come back and push for an eight or nine. Once you get a couple of weeks or eight out of nine out of 10 completed, you'll be back into the habit of pushing yourself and getting the most out of your training. Number two, you're not using a progressive workout plan. During the lockdown, motivation to work out was a big challenge for many of us. And a great way to overcome that lack of motivation is novelty. And a good way to get novelty in your training is to change up your workouts regularly. 
Perhaps you followed your favorite influencer's workout of the day, or maybe you logged into CrossFit and saw what the workout of the day was there. To keep you training and to keep you excited about your training, this might have worked out great. But when it comes to making consistent progress, you might be holding yourself back. This is luckily something I haven't seen with the EHC clients as they all have a structured plan in place to help them progress and they can document their progress too. The beauty of following a program is that you become familiar with the lifts and you don't have to learn or relearn those new moves all the time. You can track if you're adding more weight and reps and you're able to see if you're genuinely making progress. If your goal is to make as much progress as possible, especially within your body composition or gaining strength, then I'd highly recommend getting on a program that doesn't change every day or week and you monitor your progress. Number three is that you're skipping your warm-up, your cool-down and your mobility work. Let's put it this way. If you were struggling to motivate yourself to work out full stop, it's highly unlikely that you're motivated enough to warm up, cool down, and do your additional mobility work. However, I don't need to spend too much time telling you how crucial this is. One of the biggest factors in us being able to train long-term and get results is us staying injury-free. And not just even for your workouts, but just for life itself. We don't want discomfort. We don't want imbalances. We don't want to walk around and be basically uncomfortable and not be able to perform to the best of our ability. So it's so crucial that we allocate the sufficient amount of time at the start of our workouts at the end and we separate a little bit of time outside of those to do our additional mobility work. If you're not a big fan of doing this before or after your training sessions, just spend a little bit more time doing that mobility work and then maybe pick two or three dynamic stretches to do before your workout. Maybe do just a few stretches when you finish your workout. It doesn't have to be long or extensive. It just has to be there to be preventative. Maybe if you're back at the gym, you can start doing some yoga classes. A while ago, I did yin yoga at the gym and it was amazing. It was literally just holding these stretches for four minutes. It was an hour per week and it flew by and I was doing it in that class dynamic and it really, really helped me stay on top of my mobility. So if you're back in a gym or most gyms are probably still offering this virtually or most yoga studios are offering this virtually, get on top of it and you will thank yourself later. Number four on this list is that you are still squeezing your workouts in. I appreciate that when we first went into lockdown, our schedules went a little bit all over the place, especially if you had children to take care of and a job to handle on a day-to-day basis. It wasn't easy and I appreciate that. And sometimes squeezing in your workouts was much better than not getting it done at all. However, if your life has regained a little bit more normality from a schedule perspective, then it's so essential that you stop squeezing your workouts in and you give them the time that they deserve, right? If you've got a Zoom meeting with your boss at 8 a.m., planning your workout at 7.15 is not a good idea. Get up a little bit earlier. Push the meeting later in the day if you can possibly do that or find a different time in the day to work out. Your workout deserves your full attention and not only just your workout, but like I said, time to warm up, time to cool down. So you're doing this safely and effectively and you're getting the absolute most out of your workouts. This is so crucial. And it won't just help you with your progress. You'll enjoy your sessions more. I love it when I've got a little bit more time to train. I'm not looking at my watch thinking, oh, I need to be back at this time. I'm able to be fully present with my lifts and I get so much more out of it and I enjoy it more as well. So if you're listening, thinking, yep, this sounds a lot like me, just take a moment to look at your schedule. And when you set your schedule for the week, don't start by putting in the appointments with other people. Start by putting in the appointment with yourself first and foremost, and then work the rest around it. Number five, you're putting off joining a gym or a sports
sports club, even though you're out regularly socializing. So there'll be a lot of people who have adopted the home training. You've got your own little setup. You're making fantastic progress. And if that's you, you don't have to listen to this point. You continue to enjoy yourself. However, there is a lot of people out there who want to join a gym. They want to join a sports club. Maybe they were members before, but they're putting it off for unnecessary reasons. They may be saying, I don't have enough time. Maybe I don't really want to factor in that commute. I'm not sure if it's safe enough yet. Oh, I don't really want to have to wear a mask and all those type of things. Yet they're in restaurants, they're in cafes, they're on trains and tubes and buses regularly. They're going to the office and actually those excuses are what I just said. They're excuses. They're not valid. They're just reasons that are holding them back from making good progress in the gym, from enjoying the social element and the health and fitness aspect of being at that sports club. And yet they're holding themselves back with reasons that aren't really valid. So if you are someone who wanted to join the gym, who wants to join that sports club, but you keep putting it off for a reason that's not that good, then please reflect and take action. You'll thank yourself later and you don't want to keep waiting and waiting and waiting until life permits you to do so because you have to now go to the office. You're like, oh yeah, I'll join the gym because now I've got to go to the office. Don't wait until that moment. Give your health and fitness journey the love it deserves and give it the absolute best. And if joining a gym or joining a sports club is the best for you and your journey, make it happen. So those are the five things that you might still be doing and they are holding you back from achieving the results within your health and fitness that you could be getting. I don't think that we need to go through the nutrition one. I think a lot of us are aware of that. We've gone through those a lot, but hopefully this has given you some food for thought. So those are my three questions wrapped up for the day, guys. I hope that that was a helpful listen. If you did enjoy the podcast today, screenshot the portion that you like the most, tag me on Instagram, let me know what part you liked. And our next episode is going to be the big one, episode 50. And I can't wait to have you all joining me there. So that's everything from me today, guys. Have an amazing week ahead. Take care and we'll speak soon. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.